The Sons and Daughters Podcast. Discover and walk in the life that Jesus lives inside of you. Hosted by Andy and Tina Hayner, leaders of Full Speed Impact Ministry. Hi, welcome to the Sons and Daughters Podcast. I'm Tina Hayner. This is my amazing uh, husband. Her amazing husband today. Yeah, lovely, amazing, hey, wonderful. Hey, moving on up, folks. Yeah. So, hey, we're glad that you can join us today. Uh, this is Sons and Daughters Podcasts and part of the ministry, uh, Full Speed Impact Ministries. Tina and I are the leaders of that. And uh, we have these podcasts so that we can encourage you to know your identity as mm-hmm. children of God, understand how God sees you, and to be fully equipped to impact the world around you. And to that end, we have a real, uh, exciting guest. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have some good friends in Bismarck, uh, North Dakota, um, and they are amazing believers. And their oldest son has now uh, come out into his own, and he is uh, as part of his homeschooling research. Uh, did a lot of research about questions he mm-hmm. had in the faith that are really going to help encourage you to be able to answer those questions right. that uh, a lot of times atheists or agnostics uh, or skeptics are just, just asking about mm-hmm. the faith. Um, I, I know a lot of people turned away from Christ because they started questioning the faith. Uh, they weren't just going to go to church because their parents told them right. to. Right, and they didn't really said. have someone there to answer those and questions. No right. and, and Luke was going through that, mm-hmm. and his parents steered him in the right direction. He came up with answers that satisfied him. Mm-hmm. He's written a wonderful book um, called mm-hmm. uh, great Why, you Why You Believe, and, mm-hmm. uh, and we will, uh, you'll really enjoy him. So let's go ahead and, and bring Luke on now. Well, Luke, thank you so much for coming on to our uh, podcast today. We're really excited about the heart that God's given you and the vision um, that he's uh, given you to be able to build up and equip the body um, in the matter of defending our faith, uh, especially with unbelievers, because uh, that's usually when you have <laughs> to defend it. it. Right. So, yeah. So how did you begin? How how and what motivated you to start digging in and exploring in this area? And, and I'll share a little bit of how it got started. Yeah, so I started for two, two main reasons. The first one was when I really started getting into apologetics was because I was struggling in my own walk. I was just getting into uh, early high school, late middle school, kind of that age where you fully you know, actually start questioning what your parents say. Mm-hmm. You kind of actually start thinking for yourself. And I was very concerned because I didn't, I didn't have any answers that I could stand upon, you know, like I couldn't answer certain skeptics on the debate team, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would struggle because there was one atheist on the debate team and it was like eight Christians and we'd lose every single conversation. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he had really great objections and we didn't have any answers. Mm-hmm. So from there, it was just a matter of lots of research, lots mm-hmm. of book reading, and lots of hours on YouTube. And that was kind of my start to apologetics. Okay. Wow. And, the, and the second part was um, what I really started actually, this is why I wrote Why Do You Believe? Or why I really started actually doing this as a, a calling or a mission mm-hmm. is because I realized that my generation could be one of the last generations that Christianity would be on the increase. So basically, from here on out, in the next two decades, some studies say that church attendance could drop by half. 
mm-hmm. or 66% of certain denominations are leaving the faith. Their Christian youth are leaving the faith. I mean, ridiculous numbers mm-hmm. that you would not think of, you know, when you're attending Sunday service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I got, I say a little depressed about this, just knowing <laughs> that in America, the land, you know, where, you know, intellectual freedom and all, you know, free speech, all this good stuff. And then um, we're losing. Christianity's losing. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it. I hate to say that, but I got super depressed about that. And my dad, being the practical guy that he is, mm-hmm. just walks in and said, well, why are you so upset? And I'm like, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. Like my generation's leaving all these statistics. And he said, well, you know what? Just stop, you know, whining and do something. <laughs> and Great, great and advice, huh? <laughs> well, and that's, that's awesome. the reason. Yeah. So you compiled all this research into a book. Um, you're the author. Uh, how old are you, Luke, by the way? I'm 20. Okay, right so that verse of don't let any man look, look down, down on, on your youth, right? Mm-hmm. But demonstrate yourself to be an example in speech and uh, character, etc. So that's really awesome. I'm excited. So you actually took all of that research and published. You're a published author, and your book is called Why, Why Do You Believe? A Practical Guide to Defending Your Faith. You, <laughs> you've got a, got a copy on hand. There you go. Um, I do, I do. Yeah, well, good man. <laughs> yeah, so tell us, you know, as you, how how hard was it to take all of that research and to compile it into uh, a book that other people would want to read? Mm. So the researching, so it's it's kind of counterintuitive when you think about it. The researching for me was the fun part where I got to learn, you know, what the, what the, um, what the great atheists of our day says, what the great Christians of our day say. And I love that part. That was mm-hmm. the great part. Mm-hmm. The actual um, um, writing it in everyday language, that was the hard part. Right. Because these philosophers, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And my favorite quote from Einstein, if you can't you know, teach it to a third grader, you don't know it yourself. Right, right. And I understand that, yeah, you can't exactly explain rocket science to a third grader, but you can get pretty close. Yeah, the researching to answer your question, that was the fun part. The mm-hmm. hard part and the part that I despise the most about writing a book was actually the time it took. It was ridiculous. How long did it take you? Oh, I hate to guess. So for the first year, I was kind of, you know, just hanging out, you know, doing it at my own pace. And I got to my senior year and it was real crunch time. Mm-hmm. And I would work on it maybe two hours a day, three hours a day outside of schoolwork just just basically figuring done. out how to say things. Mm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's great. Yeah. You know, it yeah. it's really worthwhile exercise, though. I'm excited mm-hmm. that you've done that, and uh, I, I'm sure you've gotten some really good feedback about it. Mm-hmm. I know your dad has been pretty quick to brag on all the feedback <laughs> that he gets about it. So. Yeah, right. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking as we were talking about simplifying things, it just made me really appreciate Jesus and his teachings and how, you know, he just talked about farm life and everyday things Seeds and, and sheep. He's, he's the creator of the, the universe and yet he simplified it for us and we find it we could find it kind of hard but for him he's a master yeah so, well not yeah. only did you write this book but you've even you've done training uh at various churches and youth yes. uh, conferences and things like that um so as you've done that 
and taking this out to the church, what have you observed about the church's um, ability to handle these kind of questions? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. how, are, is this something like, you know, there's tons of books on this, so everybody already knows it, or are you finding we are really behind? I see why we're losing. <laughs> For the congregation as a whole, when I've spoken at these churches or even some schools, it's been great. These mm -hmm. people, you know, ate it up. They, they loved it. They understood it. That was the thing that was the most important. They mm -hmm. understood it. Mm -hmm. And that was so great because I wrote this book shortly, basically, in, a, in the grand scheme of things, right after I finally solidified my faith. So seeing mm -hmm. that light enter other people's eyes when, you know, the light bulb goes off of their head, mm -hmm. that was the best, best part. But that's a really tough question. The second part where you, um, where you asked, um, do they need it or do they felt like they needed it? That's a really tough question because I mean, there are people that go through their entire Christian lives and know nothing about apologetics. I mean, they go to church, they have really great prayer lives. I mean, these people have relationships with God that man, I mean, I just, I'm struck with awe. I mean, it's so great, but do they know why Jesus, you know, was an actual historical figure? No. Do they need to? I would say not. But, I mean, there's the other parts of us that, you know, don't have that great, you know, deep relationship as of yet. We're all striving for it. But I'm kind of the, um, I like to think of myself as my message as kind of the, uh, the backup. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the original church, you know, um, doesn't quite cover all the bases that I'm the back if I'm kind of the uh, last man, you know, until sure. they actually walk away. That's, that's what I kind of felt like my message brought to the churches. I think it strengthened people's faith, but I don't think, I never like to say that apologetics is necessary for people's faith. I think probably if they're not struggling with themselves, they might find themselves like you or your friends on the debate team Un, unprepared, unprepared to answer mm -hmm. their friends that are atheists and agnostics. So as you go around in, in your teaching, you know, from your book and, and as you go to various churches and youth groups, um, what sort of questions do you try to equip believers to be able to handle? Like, wh how do you help help the believers to be able to be address those things this. because this what I'd like to way. do is, is kind of maybe uh, chart out a few of the questions that you're um, that you feel really prepared to help people with. We'll write those down and then maybe we can spend the remainder of our podcast actually talking about those and letting you kind of great, yeah. give us some insight into those things. So what, where, uh, where do you feel like you most often help people? So I help people in, I believe, three main categories. And the first one is God's existence, where I like to start with that because if God doesn't exist, then what's the point? What's the point? Perfect. True right. words were never spoken. So that would be uh, for like atheists and agnostics. Yeah. So right. um, in the book, even Why Do You Believe, I basically take the approach where we start with atheism. We assume that the reader is an atheist and we just take okay. them step by step okay. all the way to Christianity. So of course, if you believe in no God, the first step is believing in a God and you okay. can work from there. Okay. Sure. So that's, that's the first step. So, all right. That's the first one that you, is God's God existence. Exists. What else do you find you help people with? The second step, and I believe it's the most crucial step for Christianity in general, is why the Bible is true. Why mm -hmm. it's not like the Quran, why it's not like, you know, all these different, <laughs> exactly, Book of Mormon, why it's not, mm -hmm. you know, ancient Egyptian tablets, you know, what, whatever. 
Okay. Why, why is Christianity different? Now, we know why Christianity is different as Christians. Remember who we're talking to. Mm-hmm. Always remember your audience. Sure. We're talking to people who view Christianity the same as Egyptian mythology. I mean, think about right. it. Mm-hmm. There is a figure in Egyptian mythology that was born of a virgin and resurrected. Mm-hmm. The atheist is like, so what? You're not unique. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The, the, we have the same but, story. And that's a trap. That's, that's one of the questions. Because okay. in these discussions, I love playing the devil's advocate. Because you like to see the, the cogs turning in people's heads and then give them the answer. Yeah. This is great. This is great. But yeah, so, so God's existence, why the Bible, and then what's the third one? The third one is actually the most important when you look at people who leave the faith. It's not a big, really stumbling block when it comes to, you know, Christians becoming, you know, better in their relationship and deeper in their understanding, but rather it is the biggest reason why people leave the faith. And that is the problem of God and evil. Um, So questions I like to, you know, ask are, okay, so hypothetical scenario, my mom had cancer. We prayed for her, she died. How could God allow that? You know, these um, really emotionally driven questions that just, I mean, how can you answer that? It's it's so hard when someone's going through loss when they've had trauma to give them an answer that's satisfactory, mm. but at the same time doesn't, you know, feel abrasive. It doesn't, like, push them away from the church. Yeah, you know, in my experience, you're, I think you're identifying number three as the big issue it is right, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times what happens is people have traumatic experiences that um, they can't explain, and so they blame God. Mm-hmm. And then... They they come up with intellectual arguments to kind of bust, buttress that, and so a lot of these uh, issues on the first two are usually kind of smoke screens, either for uh, you know traumatic experiences that they have a real bitterness towards God, or that there is um, just a lifestyle issue, you know, that they don't want to deal mm-hmm. with. That, that like I know where you're headed with this, and I don't even <laughs> want to live that way. Right. So, um, Luke, on this first uh, a point of uh, just of God's existence, um, and you can expound, but like if I was playing devil's advocate, um, so um, what evidence is there that there is even a God? I mean, why? Yeah, like your book, why should I believe that, you know, there, there's no even, proof. There's no proof. I mean, <laughs> How how, how I, can I, I exist? Because I can see and feel, and and I know you do. But I mean, I you know, how do I know God exists? I don't think He does because I can't see it. And sometimes those exact words are actually spoken in some of these discussions with atheists and Christians, where they say there is no proof or. There is nothing you could say, you know, that would adequately prove a God or, mm-hmm. you know, how can you believe in a flying invisible grandpa who lives in the sky? You know, it's most of it. I have to say that I did like your earlier point where you said that these are the smoke screens where ultimately the problem is usually a heart problem. And I mm-hmm. would totally agree. Mm-hmm. But most of the times you can't really understand or get to the root of that issue if these smoke screens are up. Sure. I mean, think think about it as like they have their heart, right? But they have got a couple barriers around their heart and you got to, you got to break those before you get to the root problem. And God's existence, always a part of the discussion, always a part of the discussion. So what proof is there for God? Wow. Now this, 
there are five main arguments, I believe, for God's existence. We won't go over all of them, of course, because they get really deep, some of them. But my favorite, my favorite is just simply, um, simply one I like to call, um, a, it's a form of cosmological argument. What it basically means is cause. Think about cause and effect. So picture in your mind right now, cause and effect. Okay, we all know that, you know what, we are an effect. You know, the sun, heat, heat is the effect of the sun, et cetera, et cetera. So I like to ask the question to people, okay, where'd you come from? You're an effect. Right. Who caused you? Mm-hmm. And they would say, you know, they'd say silent, and I'd say, you know what, you can actually answer. But Not they always parents. say their parents. <laughs> right. They say their parents. Right. Because, duh, of course mm-hmm. the parents are the ones that caused you. And I said, okay, well, here's a tougher question. Who caused them? Mm-hmm. Their parents, right? Yeah. And I say, you know what? Regardless if you believe in evolution, regardless of what you believe, and this is why I feel this argument so great, because it doesn't matter what you believe about evolution, Big Bang, doesn't matter. I'll tell you why. Because you know what? You believe that Adam and Eve was the first? Great. That just makes our job easier. But if you believe we went through fish, monkeys, whatever, mm-hmm. all the way back, you keep on asking what caused your, the, the next person in the genealogy, right? right? We we'll get back species. to, okay, well, the first life or Adam and Eve, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, okay, well, uh, what caused them? See, now we're getting bigger and bigger. And they say, well, you know, either the universe, you know, formulated this stuff through a bunch of fusion and stars, whatever, whatever the answer may be. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, what caused that? It's going to get back to the Big Bang or God. Um, so if you have the atheists, they believe in all the evolution, you get back to Big Bang. You're like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to disagree with you on evolution. I'm not going to disagree with you on the Big Bang. You choose your battles. And this is my one piece of advice. When you're talking to these people, choose your battles. Don't fight them on every little stinking point. Mm-hmm. Because the second you make a stand, they will say something that catches you unprepared. Don't give them that. Right. Just say, oh, just keep asking questions. Put them on the defensive because you're trying to get to the root of their root problem. This isn't about you as a Christian. It's about them. Mm-hmm. It's about helping them see the truth. So all the way back to the Big Bang. And they say, and you say, okay, last question. What caused the Big Bang? And they look at you and they're like, I don't know, atomic particles, uh, you know, some quantum mechanic mumbo jumbo. Right. It's like, oh, okay, well, cool. Okay, I, I see science doesn't have a true answer, right? And I'm like, mm. well, it will get eventually. And I'm like, no, 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 let, let's, let's not say anything. Let's just say, stick with what we know, okay? What is the Big Bang? Well, the Big Bang is an event. It's something that happened. I said, yes, it's an effect. <laughs> and see, and, th- and, then, and then they start panicking because they know where the conversation is going. <laughs> but then they say, okay, what? So if it's an effect, it needs a cause, right? They say, well, no. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it kind of does. You just you know, have to get them to admit that. Once they admit that, here's where the magic happens. As soon as they admit that the Big Bang has a cause, it's off to the races, and I'll tell you why. And, this, and I'm sorry if this gets... Uh, as, this is just so fun. This, this is so much fun. Um, I'm a geek, so. That's why so, we love you, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but, so think of the universe. What are the three things that comprise the universe as a, as a scientific, you know, not, we're, not, we're not talking about God, Bible, anything right now. We're just saying, okay, what's the universe comprised of, right? Uh, space, time, and matter. Right. I mean, space, the distance between objects, or you could say it is the place where objects are suspended, whatever. Just get them to agree on a basic thing of time, a basic definition of time, okay? Say, sure. Okay, now space. That's done. 
Now move on to time, okay? Time exists in the universe. We all know this. We all age. Events happen one after the other. I mean, if there was no time, then literally everything would happen at all this less than an instant. It's, it, you can't even think about it. It just doesn't make sense, mm -hmm. right? We all know that time is a thing that, that actually exists in our universe, right? Just as real as you and me, time exists. Mm -hmm. How it exists, that's a different question, but it exists, right? And if they bring up all these little like, nitpicky things, well, well, what if you, you know, disagree on what time is? You're like, it doesn't matter. Right. Because this is the beauty of this argument. It doesn't matter. You start, and, I'll, and I'm going to recap here at the end to kind of give you guys a quick summary. But then you get... Okay, so space and time, okay, matter. It's the stuff we are made yeah, out of. Everything is made out of some kind of matter, right? These are simple things that every, everyone can agree on. And you say, okay, pause. Now, let's take what we know. The Big Bang happened, according to your worldview. I'm not going to argue. For the sake of argument, the Big Bang happened. Okay, the Big Bang needs a cause. Okay, that's fair enough. But the, everything in the Big Bang or the universe... It's made up of space, time, and matter. They say, okay, where are you going with this? Well, here's, here's where I'm going with this. What had to exist prior to the Big Bang? Now, this is, this is where it gets cool because you have to say, okay, well, if the Big Bang is what contemporary science believes, that there was no space, time, and matter before the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, I mean, try to conceptualize that. Something with no space, no time, and no matter. It's really hard to picture something. You can come up with basically nothing. And that's what they'd say. Nothing existed before the Big Bang. And you say, okay, well, here we go. You're ready for this. And then, they, and then you know, you've kind of got them on the edge of the seat because you've gone through all this rambling and science stuff. And you're like, okay, so here's the main issue. Universe needs a cause. Big Bang needs a cause. But space, time, and matter did not exist yet because they did not exist before the Big Bang. And you say, so we need a cause. Now let's define that cause. Let's give it some parameters, let's give it some meat. What is it? Well, if space, time, and matter didn't exist yet, then the cause had to be what? Spaceless, timeless, matterless, because they didn't exist yet. You can't have, you know, I can't be made up of matter if matter didn't exist yet. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, okay, okay. Let's put it in terms that Christian would recognize them as. Okay, spaceless, meaning that you would literally be everywhere at once, meaning no space would actually separate objects. Well, is that not the same thing as omnipresent? Mm -hmm. And then you go, okay, so omnipresent. The cause of the universe is omnipresent. We've, we can prove that. Right? Just with simple deduction, just with simple little scientific things you learn in you know, grade school, high school, college, whatever. And then time. Well, timeless. What do what Christians recognize that term as? Eternal. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not that you have an infinite amount of time. It's that time doesn't affect you, really. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like you exist outside of time. Mm -hmm. right? You're the perfect fulfillment of time. Whatever you want to describe it as. Eternal. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a great nom, but that doesn't prove a God. No, it doesn't. But there's one last step, and this is the most important step. Matterless. And this is the cool thing. Matter is physical. And things that are miser excuse me, things that are physical are called natural things. Well, if uh, something isn't natural, then what is it? Supernatural. Supernatural. There you go. 
So, so what do you have? You have a supernatural, omnipresent, and what was the eternal. other one? Eternal mm -hmm. thing. And that is what we call God. <laughs> sure. There you go. Well, no, that is beautiful. That... And now at this point, they get really squirmy because they usually, you've just taken away their little whoopee because deep, deep down inside, mm. they, you know, a lot of times people that are atheist or agnostic, they... They like to think of themselves as so smart that they see through everyone else's um, foolishness and ignorance and that. But actually being able to have a conversation like this um, and hold your own, mm -hmm. which is important, so that they see, you know, listen, this person's actually thought this through. Mm -hmm. And very often that conversation that you have with them will be the first time that someone has actually um, been able to you know, demonstrate. I, I didn't just arrive at this because my parents taught me to believe the Bible when I was a little kid. Maybe you did, maybe they did, but at some point you thought it through for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, and that's really one of the most important things as is because, you know, if you, if you're not the one that's going to bring it to them, if you're not, if you, if you don't know, you know, for all you know, they could die tomorrow. For all right. you know that, they could be gone next week and they would mm -hmm. not get another chance to hear. And that is why we need to, you know, be equipped as Christians. We can't be seen as the dumb ones, right. but right now in our society, that's what we're being labeled as. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in a private university right now. I'm at a Catholic university. I'm not Catholic, but mm -hmm. guess what? It's this college is better than most out there, mm -hmm. but still you hear these discussions on campus. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, I'd say about 80, 8 to 80% of the people there are Catholic, mm -hmm. right? But these conversations are still happening in this kind of setting. If they're happening in this setting, they're going to happen at every setting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is, the, this is the reason why the statistics show that, guess what? This, this loss of our youth, this detriment mm -hmm. to our you know, churches right. happens before or after college. Yep. It's right in that range. So if you're, if you're a parent, yeah. if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a youth leader, mm -hmm. you need to be able to have these discussions mm -hmm. um, to help people Young that are people in your questioning life. their faith right. or even those that are mm -hmm. on the other side of it. They did question. Nobody answered their questions. And now they're kind of uh, lost in space, matter in time. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, Luke, um, so that's a really good way to handle, you know, God's existence. I, I kind of have a simple, like, layman's way of, of talking about it. I say, you know, um, and I connect with people's desire to mean something and say, mm -hmm. listen, I don't believe that you're an accident. You're more than just that. You don't have a tornado go through a junkyard and out comes a Lamborghini. You're more mm -hmm. intricate than anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God created you and he has an awesome purpose and value for your life. Amen. Um, so a very similar sort of uh, approach where you're talking about something caused you. And I think intuitively we desire to, um, we, we want to know why are we here? Right. Our origins. Uh, we know um, we didn't cause ourselves to be here. And, and without that though, without God, you being here is meaningless, a mm -hmm. valueless, purposeless. And so if you ever find an atheist talking about the value of their life or trying to find the purpose for their life, 
you know, yeah. dude, well, you, you you're not allowed to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. You're an atheist. You're yeah. a, you're an accidental accumulation of atoms. You should have been a rock, <laughs> or a squirrel, <laughs> or you know, or a walrus, or, or a baby seal, or something <laughs> totally <laughs> insignificant. <laughs> so. I, I love the way that you kind of broke that down. So and let's that was just one argument of he said there's like five approaches. That's just that one of five. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, why don't we go on to your second main thing though, if we can, um, where mm-hmm. you move from why does God why you know how can does, we know that God exists? God so we have exists. an omnipresent, mm-hmm. uh, omnipresent, supernatural, eternal being. How mm-hmm. do we know? that the God of the Bible is that omnipresent, supernatural, eternal being? How do you move from there to the Bible? You should believe the Bible um, two main reasons. And these are the two subjects of study within, I believe, why Christianity is true. The first is, okay, the Bible is a historical document. It records what actually happened in history. Jesus actually did die on a cross. Actually, Jesus existed. We, We know that from sources outside the Bible. I mean, the historian Josephus, who was not a Christian, literally referenced Jesus in his teachings, in his writings. And the more you look into it, the more you realize that, hey, you know what? We have found the coffin, the sarcophagus of whatever you want to call it, of the high priest, Caiaphas, that, you know, sent us Jesus to death. We know he existed. Mm-hmm. We also know the Pool of Bethesda existed. We also have found the city of Jericho. And guess what? Its walls fell down flat for some odd reason. Archaeologists find. I mean, it's just thing after thing after thing. The Bible is like perfectly historical. I don't think there's been one major discovery yet that has overturned something said in Scripture. Now, that's really compelling to a lot of people. But, you know, the skeptic might say, well, okay, sure. You can, you can have all these great places in history. You can, you can prove that, you know that James, the brother of Jesus, existed, and we can prove that Paul existed and actually wrote what he wrote. We can actually prove that he wrote what he wrote, right? But that doesn't make the disciples' testimony true, right. and they're uh, correct. It could be like historical fiction, right? Real places, true. real people, and mm-hmm. uh, fictional events. Um, mm-hmm. How do you cross that bridge? And that is the bridge that is really hard, a really hard pill for most people to swallow because it comes down to the resurrection. Mm. Now, the disciples' testimony, I mean, remember what Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our faith is in vain, mm-hmm. right? Everything, so if, you know what, if Paul said that, then I'm like, well, you know what, we got to defend that the mm-hmm. most because mm-hmm. Paul literally said, he wrote half of the, over half of the New Testament. So, so you start with that which is ultimately the glory of Christianity, that resurrection day, beautiful. But that needs to be the strongest, you know, that needs to be the cornerstone. It it all hinges on that. It's like everything else, like if if the resurrection took place, then, uh, you know, you hang the authenticity and the authority of Scripture on that event. But if (laughs) that disappears, you can't trust any of it. Correct, correct. It is the... It's the most crucial part part of the New Testament, in my opinion. I agree. I, I love how you've how you've zeroed in on that because that makes it real simple. You, God exists, and the resurrection took happened. place. Mm-hmm. And and the only book that tells us about that, and it's from cover to cover, is the Bible. So, Correct. how do you help someone 
come to see that the resurrection is the real deal. This isn't just some sort of fictional event, but it really happened. So, yeah, I'd say there's three steps. First, you need to show that Jesus died. And there have been numerous studies, and even Josephus, which he claimed in his writings that Jesus basically was a Jew that was crucified. Okay. I mean, that is the one part of history that just about every skeptic, Christian or atheist skeptic, will agree on. Every New Testament scholar that actually has legitimacy will say, we'll, make, we'll take the stand that, you know what, it's factually true that Jesus existed and was crucified. Now, that is the biggest thing because I like to say, after that God argument, and I forgot to clarify this, after that God argument, what you're left with is a kind of a monotheistic Abrahamic God. Yeah, when you, when you have the, when you prove that there is an omnipresent, eternal supernatural being that is the source of the universe you ha- you kind of narrow it down to well it could be islam it could be judaism it could be christianity or it could be none of the above but it's some sort of om- omnip- omnipotent god so how do you move from there to the god of the bible mm-hmm. yeah sure sure um i think it's really important that you said that that you picked up on that because it's true that i, I have to be very careful on how to word this the same type of God that Christians believe in, the properties that he holds, is the same type of God that is believed in Islam and Judaism. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to be very careful because it isn't the same God, obviously, sure. as Islam, but they believe in the same type of God, meaning that he's spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. Right. But the reason I, I made that, I love that argument so much, is because it throws out just about all other religions out there. Just about every pantheon. You think about Zeus. What is he? Well, he's a really powerful dude, but guess what? He's a, he's, a, he's a physical dude. He's made up of stuff. So he can't be the real God. He can't be the cause of the universe, right? So how do we transition to the Christian God? That comes down to the Bible. And most specifically in the Bible, it comes down to two parts. One is treating the Bible as a historical document, meaning that, you know what? The Bible doesn't lie about all the historical events that took place, the people, places, and events. I mean, the stuff that that you can objectively look at is true, right? I mean, these places are there. These Kings were there. These kingdoms were there. These, uh, the archeology is all there. So the things that you can verify are, are there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's shocking. I mean, if you want your face to grow, Look at all these historical and archaeological sites that they've found up till now. One of my favorites is Jericho. I mean, the Bible references, you know, the Jericho walls fell down. Great. But in Scripture, in certain translations, it says the walls fell down flat. It's not that they came down brick by brick, but the wall literally fell over mm. and mm. Some, in some, you know, translations. And the cool thing is that, yeah, we found the city of Jericho, and its walls are falling down flat. Huh. It's these little things that you'd think of like, well, Scripture doesn't need to be perfect on that. But guess what? There it is. Sure. Perfect. So, so yeah, you first have to say that, you know what? The Bible did not lie about the Pool of Bethesda or Pontius Pilate or Paul's existence or Caiaphas or all these other things, which we all have actually found out were real people who lived at the times mm-hmm. that the Bible says. Um, if you want to look at one of my favorite Gospels, and I am biased when I say this, the Gospel of Luke, <laughs> because he takes it as a very methodical approach. He says, you know what? Here's the person at this time in history at this place. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. 
in the first year of such and such, such this and occurs. And, right. and we found it. Because Luke, it. Luke was the gospel for nerds, written by a nerd <laughs> for nerds. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had the equivalency. I mean, you, we all think of Paul as a smart dude. Like, Paul went to basically graduate school level back then what we have mm-hmm, now yeah. and same thing with luke luke was a physician he had lots of schooling so again they took a different approach and that's what i think makes the gospel so cool is because they each take a different approach but say the same thing right. which is actually a big reason what i just said why we know the second part of proving the bible you know is actually accurate which is the disciples testimony being true that you know what jesus actually did rise from the dead Like as Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our faith would be in vain. It's just, you know what, if Paul's going to make that stand, then we might as well pick up on the fact that, you know what, we should defend this with everything that we have. Mm -hmm. Because he literally, you can't can't worm your way out of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether you like Paul for saying it, whether you don't Mm -hmm. like Paul for saying it, he said it. And now we got to, you know, and now we have to pick up on what he was really meaning. And I think he meant something really crucial is that, what separates Christianity from every other religion, period, is that Jesus rose and the disciples' testimony is true. Mm-hmm. Now, um, this gets a little nitpicky because I have to bring up some objections to really, uh, to really give you the real reason why we know the disciples' testimony is true. Basically, what they will say is, okay, well, sure, the disciples had all these historical facts and all these prophecies come true regardless. They'll, they'll accept certain things and they'll reject other things. But what they will always accept is that, well, Jesus died. They won't, they won't accept that he resurrected because then they'd be Christians, right? Mm-hmm. But, and that Paul was who he was and said what he said, right? In mm-hmm. certain books. So we take from Paul and we can just cross-reference and we can say, you know what? Um, Paul references the resurrection of Jesus. And he, res- and, he, and he basically mentions the disciples as proof of that. I can't give you a verse. It's, you gotta, I feel like you have to read between the lines a little bit. But basically, yeah, Paul says Jesus rose. And if Paul said Jesus rose, then we have to say, you know what? Either Paul is right or he's wrong. Either the gospel writers are right or they're wrong. So we have to say, okay, how do we know if they're right and wrong? Well, the thing about a miracle is it's non-scientific. And that's right. what makes it a miracle. It's something right. supernatural, Natural. something that supersedes nature. Right. So you could have you could have people out there. People talk about the uh, veil of Turban, or basically the veil the shroud of, of the shroud Shantaran. of Turin. Yeah. Yes, that's that's what it was. And sure, if that's true, go for it. If that convinces people, go for it. I would not lay all my car, you know all my chips on that, mm-hmm. frankly. But you know what? If it works, if it's true, it's true. But the thing I like to say is, okay, so we have all these historical facts that the disciples have put down. Okay, now, for someone, for it to be conspiracy theory, because that's what they're usually Mm going to say. They're going to say, it was the biggest conspiracy theory ever constructed. Well, uh, cool, except for the uh, disciples died very gruesome, brutal deaths. They literally were on the run for most of their lives. Um, they were not seated down. They weren't rich by any means. Uh, these people basically were social outcasts outside of Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were not the most popular guys in town. 
you know, among the common folk. Right. It was always like, yes, these people are amazing, but only for the Christians. Because remember, the Pharisees absolutely hated these people. And because of the Pharisees, these mm. people died. Yeah. So, no, that's what you're hitting on is, is really good. And I, I bring this up sometimes and I'll say it like this. When people lie, they lie to get some advantage for themselves. Yeah. Um, what did the, the apostles get for this? They got persecuted. They lost their, their, their nation. Uh, they, they didn't get tax-free land in a, in a stipend, you know, from a church or anything like that. Um, and they all were either banished or crucified or, or martyred in some way, and none of them ever recanted. Not a, nope. not a second. Not just, they never changed their story. Mm-hmm. They died on this, and they died with joy. They did it on mm-hmm. purpose because they knew that they had seen Jesus die. Mm-hmm. They knew yes, they had yes. seen him right. um, raised yes. from the dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, to me, if you, if you can understand and wrap your arms around one thing, you can just go, well, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. That's really good questions. But all I do know is this, is that Jesus died and he rose from the dead and he's alive now. Mm-hmm. And you can know him. Uh, you can prove it to yourself. You can encounter him if you want to. But you've got to bow the knee and you've got to confess your sins and trust him to be your Savior and Lord. And guess what? If nothing happens, then I'm a liar. But I'll guarantee you, he, will, liar, he, right. <laughs> he will change your life. And you know it. You're, mm-hmm. That's why you're afraid to yeah. do it. Basically, the way you show the disciples' testimony is true is you basically shoot down every single objection they give. They can say conspiracy theory. You say, well, no, they had nothing to gain. Like you said, they can say, oh, they were delusional. Well, it's hard to fake an empty tomb when you're delusional mm-hmm. or right. hallucinating. And right? all 12 of them are hallucinating. Yeah. At the same time, and if they were delusional, they the same story. all the Pharisees had to do to shut them up was go drag the body out of the tomb. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Why didn't they? Well, because it wasn't, it wasn't there. there. Deep down, when you really take away all all of the things that they've been told, all of the brainwashing in our colleges, all of the junk in our social media, everything. You scrape that all away. I believe that, yeah, deep down, everyone knows it's either they're lying to themselves or they've been brainwashed to a point where they no longer can think straight. Sure. And that's kind of, I believe, the message of apologetic is like, you know what? We're going to scrape away as much dirt as we can, right. make it as easy on the church as possible. Oh, well, let's get to the last thing, because I think this yeah, yeah. is really the issue <laughs> that, that makes people mm-hmm. feel like they, you know, even if God is real, I don't want him. You right. know, How mm-hmm. could God be, if he's good, if he is, and if he's good, how could he allow evil? Yeah. How could he allow, mm-hmm. you know... Why did he let my mom die? Right. How could he allow savory? How could he allow, you know, children to die of leukemia? And yeah. Why was my dad such a jerk? (laughs) All that stuff. So how do you help believers be able to respond to those kind of questions? They could say, you know what? You can prove God to me all day long. You can prove the Bible all day long. But I don't want to worship a genocidal maniac Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And that is the scariest of all because you can prove it to them up and down. You can, you know, miracles can be performed. I mean, heck in scripture, Jesus performed miracles and people still wanted to kill him. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. The hate, the hurt, the suffering, the delusion Mm -hmm. that someone would have to have to actually have in their lives to see miracles (laughs) and still still want to kill the guy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, it's shocking. And then that is what we have today too. Mm-hmm. And the same people, like you could, you could be the best person on planet earth, but unless they have 
you know, intervention, unless the Holy Spirit can, unless it can work wonders and you can, you know, help out the Holy Spirit as much as you can by cracking as many layers as you can to make it easier on them. Remember, nothing's impossible for God, but that doesn't mean we can't make it easier. But it's, um, yeah, to tackle these issues, I think you have to separate them, separate them out first. So like one of the most objections you hear is, well, why did God allow cancer? Or why this, that, and this? Mm-hmm. It comes down to two things, naturally and free will. So naturally, that's things like cancer, tornadoes, tsunamis, mm-hmm. blizzards, starvation, droughts, etc. Every, everything you can chalk up to nature in right. some respect. Now, on the other hand, free will. Now, free will is the moral side of things like, well, why did, you know, my dad beat my mom or why mm-hmm. did, you know, my dad leave me or, you know, all these terrible why things that happened. Why did God kill Hitler? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why didn't God kill Hitler? Like right. that would have been easy. That would have saved his chosen people. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. And they're all really good objections. They really are because you can't, you're lying to yourself if you're saying that these aren't hard and you know, thought-provoking objections. They mm-hmm. are. All we need is the answer. So it's really hard to cover it with a broad brush because it, there's a lot of nitpicky situational stuff going on. But for the most part, you chalk it up to two things. You know, God gave man free will. Now, people will say, okay, but couldn't God make it so that, you know, we couldn't do evil but still have free will? And no, you, you can't. Because if you can't, if you put any real um, stipulations or any real limits on free will, then it's not truly free. Mm-hmm. And I, I always ask them for a trade-off. And if they're true to themselves, this trade-off will make, will basically prove the point is okay. Would you rather be a, would you rather as a parent, would you rather have a child that you programmed to love you or would you rather have that child disobey you half the time, but truly love you the other half of the time? Of their own free choice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of their own free choice. Right. And, people, and people who are honest with themselves would say, well, yeah, the child that would love me. I mean, if you're a parent and you've actually had children, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is like with God's free will. It's like, you know what? Um, he cares too much about us to basically force us mm-hmm. to, you know, not think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Free will test right now. Don't think of the purple elephant. Right. Don't. Mm-hmm. Try. Try really hard not to. No, you're, you're going to think of it, mm-hmm. right? There's going to be some people out here watching this podcast like, oh, I didn't think of the purple elephant. <laughs> no. Okay. Sure. Sure. But guess what? You chose to either think or not think about that. Mm-hmm. That's free will. Remember, if you didn't have free will, you couldn't make that conscious decision. Right. To even think, I mean, would you rather live in a world that, you know what, it ain't perfect, but you can actually think and do things? Or would you rather have a world where, yeah, there are a lot of jerks out there, a lot of evil, wicked things going on with politics, genocidal maniacs in the past, like Hitler, Stalin, whatever. I'd say it comes down to a trade-off, and that's the best way to explain it to people. Where if they're really honest with themselves, they'll say, you know what? I get that. Mm-hmm. But they say, but couldn't God? Like, no, no, no. It isn't about, but could he or could he not? Don't, don't get into right. the coulda, woulda, shoulda. Mm-hmm. Say, you know what? Would you rather? And that will stop most objections, but 
it won't stop all because again, it's nitpicky. Cause if, cause if someone comes up and says, well, why did this evil dude, you know, well, you know, why did God allow my mom to get, you know, mugged and killed in a back alley somewhere? I mean, all these right. terrible things that, you know, could happen to people. It's like, well, uh, would you rather your mother to have that happen to her or for her to be forced right. to do basically whatever a master told her to do you and know, she would have and she would not have any free will to love you to love her parents to even exist truly right and i like how you're tying this together god yeah. god chose to give us free will because he wants to uh he's a god of love and he, he wants, wants to bring us, us into that relationship, that relationship. Um, right the other thing that i think is an important safety net on this is because there's there's some things that just do not make sense um, mm -hmm. it, that there is a day of judgment where everyone will be held accountable. So it's not like God is allowing the evil to go on forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. um, that evil is allowed, people are allowed to make evil choices, not because God wants them to do evil, but he actually wants to bring them to salvation. He's patient. He's patient yep. with mm -hmm. us. And just think of it, you know, and I'll tell this, would, how good would you, how long would you have lived if God just zapped you the first time you made a bad choice? Mm -hmm. Would you even That's be true. here? Would I be here? So we want God to be patient. We don't want God to, to be done with us yet. But then how much should God put up with and how much, you know, what, what are the limits? Um, mm -hmm. Cause some people have gone really far, but then oh, yeah. they've turned their life around. God has reached them. They've turned back to God. So this is your opportunity right now. You know, you, you always have to bring, it, bring it back to, the to them to say, mm -hmm. yep, yep. you know, I know you don't like evil, but come on, you've done evil. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And the deal is you need forgiveness. Mm -hmm. There is a day of judgment coming. And, you know, just the fact that you can judge this and say, that shouldn't be, guess what? God agrees with you and you're in big trouble <laughs> because, because you, you're not on the right side of this yet until you put your faith in Christ. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important when you're talking about free will stuff to say, it's not just for God's benefit. It's not it's just right. for his benefit. Mm -hmm. The free will benefits you. As a person, mm -hmm. it benefits you. And that's the thing where I feel that, you know, certain apologists have said, you know what, it is to bring God glory. Yes, but that's not the whole truth. Mm -hmm. He's a God of perfect love, but he's also God of perfect justice. Mm -hmm. You know, and he says that, yeah, you know, would you want God to zap you the second you did anything wrong? You say, no. Well, what if he did two things wrong? No, three. No, ten. No, hundred. You see, you keep on going up and up and up. Like, what? what what limit would you put at free will is i like to say free will is all or nothing mm -hmm. it's either you know what you can do some pretty horrific things here on earth or you can uh have do amazing beneficial things here on earth mm -hmm. or you can do neither or you can just be an automaton that wouldn't even be self-aware like a computer a computer's not thinking to itself well now i gotta open microsoft word again because this lousy nut keeps on closing it or whatever no it's not thinking that it's just doing right mm -hmm. but yeah, if you're ever going to have those free will discussions, first thing is don't be abrasive. I mean, mm -hmm. these people have lost in their lives. I mean, right. you have to approach with love, right. but also basically make it clear to them that this is all or nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, sure. you, get, you, get, you get junk thrown in with the art, but guess what? At least you got art. One of the things that I've done that's been really helpful is take this question of evil back to Jesus and the cross. 
Um, That's good. Because what do you see? When Jesus walked the earth, he showed us who God was, and he healed the sick. He didn't make people sick. Um, he set people free mm -hmm. from uh, their mental troubles or emotional troubles. Um, and that when he went to the cross, he actually let all the evil that we face get a full attack on him. Mm -hmm. Corrupt government, betraying all. friends, fickle friends, yeah. um, judgmental religion, physical torture, mm -hmm. emotional torment. That just all came at him. And he, it never overcame him. He remained faithful, full of love. And he actually even let death get a full grip on him. And then came up on the other side and destroyed it all. Mm -hmm. So that, yes, all this evil that you hate, God hates it too. And he wants to bring us out of it through Jesus Christ. What's your solution? You know? Yeah, hey. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's good. That's really good. Well, Luke, you know, we really appreciate you. There's a lot more that you can say, but we just want to encourage people that are listening today. If, if you've been encouraged and blessed, um, we uh, you can reach Luke. Uh, we'll have uh, contact information for him uh, in the video uh, here. And that uh, if you would like to extend an invitation for him to come and minister at your church to, uh, to your church or to your youth group, I'm sure he would uh, love to do that uh, schedule permitting. Um, and that uh, you can definitely go to Amazon, get his book, um, Why Do You Believe? Uh, a Practical Guide to Defending Your Faith, and it's Luke Miller, two I's and two L's, M-I-I-L-L-E-R. Um, so we encourage you to check that out. But Luke, thank you very much for joining us today. You've been a, been a great help, a great mm -hmm. encouragement. We love mm -hmm. the fact that you have chosen to not only tackle these things and find answers for yourself, but to um, make those answers available in the body of Christ. That's a real blessing. And you. we appreciate your heart too. It just comes out and that, you know, this is for them. It's, it's to show love yeah. um, and to, to be a voice of truth and of love to someone that, that's very much in darkness. Yeah. It's a good heart. <laughs> Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yes, there's a whole lot more to this uh, rabbit hole that yes. we have not gone down, but yeah, it's, no, I it's know. all good. It's I can good. tell just looking at you, man. You, <laughs> deep wells here. We could uh, we could make this a, a four part series if we wanted to. Yeah. But we just want to encourage people if they're interested more, pick up your book, and uh, and that would be a great yeah. resource for them. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, buddy. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Yep. Thank you, guys. Well, that was really exciting. It's really neat to hear mm -hmm. uh, Luke and the way he's thought things through and right. sure that some it's of so that encouraging. encouraging to you. And he's so young. Yeah. And I mean, I think just that in and of itself is, is a huge thing to you. And like I said about just his heart, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, you start with a lot of different answers and you learn to to sort of zero in on those things that work. They're simple. You don't, you know, they're not complicated. Sure. Uh, and, you know, there's some people that are very sophisticated and, you know, what is a complicated answer to me would not be complicated. To them, uh, to them. right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so depending on the circles and the people that you're talking to, um, I'm sure that you can find different things that are going to help mm -hmm. you. Um, but I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, take this, take this to heart and, and don't be afraid to have those conversations right. with people. Mm -hmm. Don't be intimidated because there's great answers. There's great ways mm -hmm. to help people. Simple that, ways. That want to see. Sometimes mm -hmm. people just don't want to see. But you know what? 
Uh, you can't force people to see, but you can put a little rock in their shoe. Sure. You know, where, they, where they thought, nobody about. can answer my questions. You know, you can just put a little pebble, pebble in their there. shoe mm -hmm. uh, and see what God will do. Sure. So, brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we publish podcasts every uh, Friday, uh, weekly, uh, at noon. And so if this is something that's encouraged you, we want to... Uh, ask you, you know, give it a thumbs up and uh, rate us, help other people get to know about us, uh, share it with your friends, with your family, with your enemies, uh, people that, uh, that need this. So um, thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. Um, so meanwhile, go and walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen.